What's up, South Crest? Hope you guys are having a great, great Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning. Uh, we hope you're enjoying your summertime, getting some vacation, some lake time. And uh, we're so very glad that you're here. My name's Matt, and, and I'm, I'm glad to be standing up here. I want to welcome our LaGrange uh, campus. Uh, if you're worshiping with us down there, we're so uh, thankful. We love you guys. And if you're following along on Facebook Live, welcome. Uh, whether you're at the beach or sitting under an umbrella or at the lake, on a boat, whatever it is, we're glad that you're tuning in. And uh, we actually heard and saw some photos of uh, people driving and taking their cell phone and propping it up on their dashboard, watching South Crest Church on the way to their vacation. I guess that's technically hands-free, but if you're driving, 10 and 2, man, 10 and 2, you focus on the road, okay? No, keep your eyes off of us. You just listen, all right? So anyway, uh, however you're watching, we're, we're grateful that you're here. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 23. Matthew 23, if you got your Bibles, um, we're going to be talking about humility, Right, and uh, we're in the middle of our sermon series called Two Tickets to Paradise." I know every time we say that you want to sing the song, and that's cool. You can do that if you want. Uh, we've looked at over the past few weeks um, locations of paradise. We've took a look at uh, abstract views of what situational paradise looks like, and I kind of want to do that again today. And uh, the title of this message, if you're taking notes, if you want to write something down, "The Pathway to Paradise." is humility, or the pathway to reward, exaltation. We're going to see that here in just a minute. And uh, Matthew 23 is humility. And i got to be honest, I'm going to come out of the gate here and just make an admission. This message has been extremely difficult for me to develop out and to, to preach and, and to, to study, because I think the more we dive into what humility actually is, the more you realize that's what you're not, okay? And so I've struggled, man. Like, I'll be honest, every time we dive a little deeper into what he was saying and what he's calling us to as believers, it's, it's a tall order and it's a difficult road. And we have pride in our lives and we feel we're selfish people. And, um, you know, I just struggled. I'll, I'll be honest, you know. Uh, I, I think even the statement, I am humble in and of itself, is a prideful statement. So if you ever get to a place in your life to say, you know what, I've worked on my humility. I'm a pretty humble person. You got to start over. I mean, you, you've messed up. You got to go back to the square one and start over. It's just, it's that pride thing welling up inside of us again. Uh, it, it brought me back a couple of years ago to the idea of a humble brag. Anybody knows what a humble brag is? Most of us probably do if you're on Twitter. A humble brag is basically a self-deprecating statement uh, a complaint or a, a statement of humility, but in reality, you're actually bragging about yourself through a humble brag. That's what it is, a humble brag. So even people trying to be humble uh, or complaining, they're, they're bragging about themselves. So I have a few statements here I wanted to read to you. I thought they were kind of funny. These are some people that were humble bragging about their uh, difficult situations that they're going through. This first guy, he owns a Lamborghini, and uh, he's just going, life is really hard for him. He says, I hate my Lamborghini. The police are always pulling me over just because it's a Lambo. They think I'm speeding, but I'm not, and they just end up letting me go. Well, I'm very sorry, Mr. Mega Millions. Uh, your life must be really difficult driving around in that Lamborghini. Uh, another one here is, says, I just stepped on gum. Who spits gum out on the red carpet? That's called a humble brag. They are bragging about the fact that they are walking down the red carpet, uh, but they are complaining they stepped in gum. Or this last one right here says, uh, I just did something very selfless. I'm glad you called that out and tweeted that out for the world. But more importantly, it was genuine. And I know it means a lot to the person in the long run. Hashtag worth it. It's like, 
you are just bragging about what you just did. And, and it's crazy to read these humble brags. And then something even on top of that. As I was pulling those, those statements and those quotes off the, off the internet, the Lord was like, hey, Matt, you do know calling these people out for their humble brag in and of itself is a very prideful move, right? You do realize that. I was like, that got it, man. I can't win for losing here. It's just, it all stems from pride within all of us. All of us struggle with filling our lives with self and with pride. We, we have this great desire to be recognized, to make a name for ourselves, to have things. And it all comes from pride. St. Augustine says this. He says, pride is the commencement of all sin. Another author from uh, Britain says, pride is more than just the first of the seven deadly sins. He says, it is in and of itself the essence of of all sin. We understand that pride is the root of sin. It's what overthrew the devil from heaven, right? It's where the original sin uh, arose from, that idea of that I can, be a, I can be like God, and I can know all things, and I, you know, that's where that original sin came from. It's where our um, exaggerated egos come from. It's where our selfish motivations come from, and ultimately, it's also where our low opinion or our low view of other people come from right? Pride. Pride. And what we're going to see here is that Jesus calls us to live a different life. If we're going to follow Jesus, he calls us to a life of lowliness. He calls us to a life of humility. He calls us to a life of esteeming and lifting other people up and you going last. And it's a little bit difficult to swallow and to work through. You see, written into the DNA of everybody that has ever lived on this earth Past, present, or in the future, there's a hole inside of our lives. There's a gaping hole, right? And we make the mistake, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus and we haven't committed our life to him, we make this mistake of filling that hole with self, selfishness. And we have to be celebrated and recognized. And all of a sudden, we're building a name for ourselves and we get full of pride. And Jesus is saying, this isn't the way. This isn't the way. I'm actually calling you to a road less traveled. I'm calling you to a little bit of a difficult path. And that pathway is humility. That pathway is humility. What we're going to see here in Matthew 23 is uh, humility equals reward, right? Exaltation, paradise, that, that, that kind of just reward that our Heavenly Father wants to give us. And then our pride, what we're going to see is pride actually equals punishment. It equals no reward. Basically, you get what you get here on the earth, and that's as far as it goes. Matthew 23, uh, we're going to read this here, Matthew 23. Before I do it, I want to give you a quick definition of humility. Humility uh, in a modern definition is this, having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's importance. Or in Greek, if you studied out in God's word, what it says is, is basically lowly or undistinguished. And my favorite, I think, is of no account. Jesus is calling you and I to live a life of no account, And man, does that just go against the grain of everything we're ever taught in life. But yet he's calling us to do it. You see, this invitation to reward and paradise, he gives it to everybody. But the only way we get there is through humbling ourselves. We can't exalt ourselves up. It doesn't lead to that. It leads to punishment and no reward. So Matthew 23, let's read this, starting in verse 1. You can follow along on your iPhone. You can download the, the Bible app and hit more, I think, and then events. You'll see South Crest Church, and all the scripture verses will be there as well. And it says, starting in verse 1, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything that they tell you. 
But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy and cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and they love the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by other people. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher. You are all brothers. Do not uh, call anyone on earth father for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to call to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. And then verse 11 is what he's getting to right here. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This passage is challenging, man. It's, it's really, really challenged me, and it's been, again, difficult to kind of dig through because I know I've got a long way to go with my, my humility and my my. Uh, being humble because I have pride in my own life. And I think really the, why the Lord pointed me to this passage is to work on me, you know? And so Jesus, that's what he's doing here. He's teaching, basically he's calling out a bunch of Pharisees on their prideful ways, all the while teaching people that have gathered around him how to ensure reward and how to ensure that they in the end will be lifted up and exalted to a place uh, of, of exaltation. Verses one through four, what he's doing, let's break this down just for a few minutes. He calls them out and says, basically, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. Jesus was calling everybody's attention to this group of people and saying, hey, do not imitate these people. And here's why. Because what they're saying doesn't line up with what they're doing. Their words ain't lining up with their actions. I find it interesting. Jesus isn't calling them out for like pointing people to worship a false god or Baal or anything like that. No, they had the right words. They had scripture. Jesus's issue was with how they lived their lives. They, the only reason why they wanted that Moses' seat, right, that place of honor, was for themselves, for that pride in them because they wanted to be noticed. They wanted to be seen and heard. He moves on to verse number five. It says, and everything they do uh, is done for the people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long, and they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats at the synagogues. Jesus is also warning. He's like, hey, everybody, look up, listen up. This group of people, don't imitate what they're doing because their good performance, the good works that they're doing, the only reason why they're doing it is because they want to be seen before everybody else, Right? That's what he's saying. He's even referencing back to Matthew 6, 1, where he says, hey, don't practice your righteousness in front of people because there's going to be no reward for you from your Father in heaven. He's saying, be careful. Don't act like these people. The only reason why they're doing all this stuff is because of their own personal pride and their own issues inside. Phylactery is a kind of a weird word. If you, if you study that out, what that is is a small box, right? Real small box. And inside the box are these little rolls of paper. And written on the rolls of paper are, are, are the, is the law, scripture verses. And so these Jewish uh, men, they would, they would take these boxes and they would have a leather band wrapped around them and they would wrap it around their arm, kind of looks a little crazy, or wrap it around their head. So they'd literally be walking around with a box on their head and it was a reminder for them to keep the law, to obey God. The problem here, though, is he's saying, hey, look, you're making them boxes bigger and bigger. It's looking huge on your head and stuff. And, and the only reason why you're doing that is so that you can be seen by other people. 
And then he goes on to reference the tassels on their garments or their prayer shawls, how they've made them super long. So people are like, oh, man, they really must, they really must pray a lot. And, and those tassels represented the law as well. And, and so they're like, man, the law must be really important to these people because their tassels are crazy long, you know. And so he's calling this out in them. He's saying, listen, they're prideful. These people are acting prideful. It's all distracting from true worship, and they're not actually worshiping me. They're, they're actually worshiping themselves. And then he goes on and develops out the idea of, of, of uh, the, the place at a banquet table, right? Banquet tables back then were kind of shaped in a U, and we still do it that, that way today some. And, and the place of honor was right where that U met together. Because if you sat in that seat, everybody could see you. They had to have that seat because that was the place of honor. I must have it. You know? And Jesus is like, man, don't, don't do this. Don't do this. He moves on to verse number eight, and he starts, he basically quits pointing the finger at them, and, and he begins to say you, and he says, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you're all brothers, and, and you don't call anybody father on earth. You have one father, and he's in heaven. He's not here on the earth, nor are you to be called instructors. You have one instructor. That's the Messiah. He's basically flattening the organization chart. He's saying, listen, don't look for a title so it can add privilege and status to your life. That's, that's not the way. That's a prideful way, all right? Jesus is saying, listen, you're all brothers and sisters. There's one God. There's one Messiah. There's one rabbi, and it ain't you. So, you know, cool it. Hang out. You know, chill out for a minute. And so he's trying to get people to recognize the way these Pharisees are acting is only a self-serving and selfish way Although to everybody's eyes, it's like, wow, these people are incredible. And Jesus is calling them out and saying, nope, all this stems from a place of pride. And then he gets kind of towards the end of this little section here, and he gets to the crux of what he's trying to teach. He's saying, the greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, if you actually look at Jesus's teachings, um, you actually see this recurring theme all the time, even from Sermon on the Mount, the very first time he spoke, uh, all through Matthew, and then even uh, Paul picks it up, and we're going to see a little bit later, humility, 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 he's saying, listen, you got to take this road less traveled. You got to take the back seat here. You got to allow other people, you got to help other people out. You got to remember where you came from. You're not the king of your life. Humble yourself. It's interesting, in verse 12, we see that everybody is humbled. Everybody in life is humbled. The difference is, if it's a forced humility, there's no reward. And if, there, if it's a willing humility, the Father's eagerly waiting to reward you. How cool is that, man? It's amazing. I love the fact that Jesus takes pleasure in our efforts to walk in humility. He actually takes pleasure in that, and he wants to reward you. He gives you options. He says, man, you know, if you go this path, you, it's not going to be good for you. But if you go this path, man, there's, there's reward for you. It's incredible. We're called to practice humility. Yes, it's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for all of us. And, uh, but, but we're called to do that. And so when I began to think about this message, I'm like, okay, how do I practice humility in my own life? And so here are some areas that the Lord is really turning the screws to me on. And so I don't have this all together, so don't think that I'm up here standing up here speaking from a place of like, I've got this figured out because I am, 
the first among the losers here, so to speak. And so Matthew 11, turn with me really quick. I want to make a reference here, and then we're going to flip over to Philippians. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. If we're going to be humble in life, think about this. If we're going to be humble in life, we have to look to the greatest example that has ever lived this earth, whoever has walked this earth, and that is Jesus Christ himself. He's the authority in all things. So we have to learn from him if we're going to be humble. Yes, there's self-help books and, and supplemental material, but, but first and foremost, we've got to go to the Bible. And so Matthew 11, starting in verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I began thinking about that. You know, when we are without a relationship with Jesus and we're trying to make a name for ourselves and we're trying to build ourselves up and we're trying to figure this out and we're filling our life with self and, and just going through this life lost, so to speak, it's tiring. It's exhausting to, to try to, to do my best and, and, and to wear that is exhausting. And Jesus says, man, kick that junk off of you. Take that off. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the only place in Scripture where Jesus references his own humility verbally. Everything else is, is lived out. The only reason why he does it here is so he can point us to say, i got to learn from him because he's humble. He's not doing it pridefully. He's saying, I'm the instructor. Come and learn from me. So when you think about that, let's learn from him for just a few minutes. I want to point out three things uh, about humility and ways that we can exercise this and work on this in our own lives. So I want to make it practical. And uh, these are some things that I'm working on in my life too. So number one, put others first always. Put others first always. Philippians 2. Kick over to Philippians with me. Philippians 2. It goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Philippians. That, that's not true. Don't listen to me. That's, it's in the New Testament, way past the Gospels. Don't do that. It's not there. So Philippians 2, sorry. <laughs> Philippians 2, verse 5. Let's look at this. Putting others first always. Putting other people first always, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. In your relationships with others, put anybody there, your wife, your husband, your boss, your peers, the people that report to you at work, those difficult family members, those, those weird people in your neighborhood. In your relationship with one another, I'm not pointing anybody out there, by the way, so if you live in my neighborhood, it's not you, I promise. Uh, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. We see this again, road of humility exaltation, road of humility, reward, right? This is, again, even God to Jesus, neat. And he gave him the name that is above every name, and that that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is such an incredible passage. Paul is saying, 
Listen, the same experience that you have had with Christ, right? He laid his life down for you. We need to have that same mindset and attitude towards other people in our lives. Think the same way that Christ is thinking. This verse, this passage is unbelievable. What we have here is the the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? The guy that made it all in a, he could snap his fingers and this earth could be gone and he could start over fresh with some people that wouldn't screw it up, but he doesn't do it that way. He steps off of his throne and he says, listen, my throne is not a trophy for me just to hold on. I got to go to where the people need me. Steps off of his throne, he comes down to earth and he walks this road of obedience all the way to death for you and for me. It's unbelievable. You know, in some other translations, and when you study it out, it basically says that he empties himself. And not only does he empty himself, it says that he's glad to do it. Man, when's a, you know, all of us have difficult people in our life, and it's one thing to be humble and grit our teeth about it, like, oh, man, I really don't like you, or I really don't want to humble myself to you, so I'm going to walk over here and just cool off and go punch a wall for a second. It's another thing to be humble towards people and to be glad to do it, to be happy to do it. That's, that's what he did for you and me. And so, and he's calling us to do the same for the, our relationships with other people. There's a statement that I, that I came across in a commentary. It says, it's the will of man acting apart from God and preferring in their pride to see the evil rather than the good in other people. That's a difficult thing. We all have, man, difficult people in our lives, you know, uh, at our work, you know, sarcastic remarks, always negative, whatever it is that they they do. And uh, God is telling us to prefer those types of people before even yourself. And what the Lord is saying is, is, is he told me, he's like, Matt, you're, you're not acknowledging their rough exterior and those snide comments. You're, you're actually honoring and recognizing the gift of God within them, that they are actually a child of God equally loved as you are in my eyes. Put others first. Put other people first. Rick Warren says it like this. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, right? It's not putting yourself down. It's not, you know, it's, all, it's just preferring other people. It's, it's, it's putting them first, man. Help other people get the promotion. Help coworkers take the next step. Help family members. Help your spouse. Husbands, submit and love your spouse. Humble yourself towards your spouse. Wives, do the same for your husbands. Man, that's, that's relationship number one. Sometimes we get wrong. It's like the one that we're face-to-face with each and every day. And it's the one we work on the less sometimes. Put others first, including your spouse. Number two, so first of all, put others first. Number two, remember where you came from. The Lord really been working on this is just understanding where I came from. Not necessarily like my, my rough upbringing, but literally where humanity came from. Turn with me to Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verse 7. Number one, put others first always. Number two, remember where you came from. Genesis 2 shows us where we came from. Verse 7, then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed, life, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and the man became a living being. The only reason why we're even sitting in this room sucking oxygen is because the Lord willed it. It's because the Lord allowed us to be on this earth. He took dirt and dust and breathed life into it, and then humankind, mankind came on the scene. It's because he wanted that, not because we did anything for us to even get here. We came from dirt. We're going to go back to dirt. We have to remember that we are completely dependent upon him for everything in our life. And when we're outside of that, nothing is making sense. Nothing makes sense. We depend on God for everything. That's the first duty of any Christian. Man, we gotta do, I mean, that's what we got to do. Have to depend on him. And if you're going to walk a life of, of humility and walk humbly on this earth, man, you got to put other people before you. Listen, don't take, you don't have to have the credit. I, that's hard for me, y'all. That's, I'll admit it. I want the credit, you know? I want the credit. I don't have to have the credit. Listen, we're not, we don't have to be right. God didn't call you to be right. Like, I'm going to put somebody in their place today. I, I, my God-given calling on this earth is to make sure people know that I'm going to dominate them or whatever, you know? It's like, we're not called to be right. We're called to love. We're called to put other people first. We don't have to be right. We can hold our tongue. Think about Jesus in that moment of standing before Pontius Pilate and everybody's accusing him. He had every right to speak. He was in the right to say, all right, I'm going to put a time out. I'm going to put a stop to this. No, what did he do? He just kept quiet. He, was, he exercised great meekness and humility in that moment. Um, just an incredible, incredible time. He knew that his job, his purpose required him to die. And so he just was silent. He was humble, completely humble in that moment. So number one, put other people before yourself. Root for people. Encourage people. Take the back seat. Allow other people to sit in the limelight. Number two, remember where he came from. And finally, number three, just remember what Jesus did for us, right? You and I, we screwed it up, man. We're sinners. We messed it up. Jesus knew it. He came to the earth. God came, you know, sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. He made a way. He covers us in grace. His mercies are new every morning. Anytime we screw up, we wake up and if we just come to him and ask for forgiveness, he just, his mercies are new. He wraps us up in love. He gives us joy and peace. And when this life is just collapsing around us and you're dealing with something that you don't even understand why you're going through it, whether it's a physical thing or a relational thing or an emotional thing or you lost your job or whatever it is, Listen, you know that he's got you. He's got you. He's got you. So always remember what Jesus did for you. You see, humility, when, we get, when we're humble, humility opens the door to our heart and allows faith in. Humility brings you to a realization of who you are, and faith brings you to a realization of who God is. Humility is like, it's foundational because you can't even accept the gift of salvation if you don't, if you're not humble enough to say, yeah, I'm not the king of my life. There isn't anything, you know, there isn't anything good in me. Humility is like number one. You got to lay your life down. You got to lay your life down. 